Welcome to the LifeCast. We hope that you find this ministry of New Life Assembly of God as an encouragement to you. You will hear messages and lessons in God's Word by our staff and special guests. Enjoy the podcast. All right. Thank you, worship team, as always, for leading us. We appreciate you. And thank you all for being here this morning. Good morning. It's good to have an opportunity just to be up here to share what the Lord has just put on my heart for for this morning. And uh, yeah, I'm just excited and expectant for for how the Lord is maybe going to speak to our hearts this morning. Um, But maybe this can be a rhetorical question, but for anyone who's been a Christian for, for any amount of time, have you ever just felt maybe discouraged or disappointed in yourself. Maybe you felt like you, all you just see is how you keep coming up short or how you're just not good enough as a Christian or you just you constantly find yourself staring at, at your mistakes, right? And sometimes following Jesus feels like just this impossible task. I know for me that... One of the, the greatest struggles for me, I've been a Christian as long as I can remember, but I've always had such a, a difficult time grasping the grace of God, the, the, the forgiveness that he offers, because I, I constantly find myself ma- making the same mistakes, right? And I, I, I continue to, to fail, and I, I see that failure, and it's hard not to beat myself up and condemn myself in the face of that that failure. Um, and recently, I was having a, a conversation with a friend of mine a few weeks ago. Uh, we were just hanging out, talking, and he, he began to open up and share just, we were just talking about life, and he, he began to just share about how he had been feeling some some similar feelings and and just uh, was talking about some sin issues in his life that he was struggling with um, and just felt really kind of condemned about it and he was sharing about how he he's he had been feeling anxious about what was going to happen when he died he w- he was feeling concerned about his salvation and this was this kind of caught me off guard because this is somebody that I've known to be a Christian for quite some time. And, and so I asked him, I said, well, why are you questioning your salvation? Why are you worried about what's going to happen to you when you die? And he said, well, because of these sin issues in my life that I continue to struggle with. Um, although he was repentant of those sin issues, there's still issues in his life he, he was struggling with, wrestling with. And... So I asked him, well, do you believe that Jesus is your Savior? Do you confess that he is Lord of your life? And he said, yes, without a doubt. I, I, 100%, I believe that he's my Savior, he's my Lord. That, that is 100% true. And so I said, well, then what are you concerned about? What are you worried about? You are saved, your salvation is secure in Christ because of the faith you've put in him. And Romans chapter 10, verse 9. 
says this. Um, excuse me. It says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. It is with your mouth that you confess you are saved. And this is confirmed again in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. It is by grace we are saved through faith. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. It is not by works so that no one can boast. You could never earn your way to salvation. It doesn't matter how much good you do or how morally great you are. You could never be qualified for salvation because of your merit or what you've done. That is the gospel. That is the the pure gospel, the simple gospel, that we are simply saved by the work of Jesus on the cross, and we receive that work through faith, through declaring that he is our Lord. And I I put my full faith, my full trust in him. That is why I am saved. Now, is there reason to be concerned for sin in my life? 100%. Yes. There is something to to attend to, to pay attention there. And we'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit. But first, I want us to just remember the gospel, the, the simple gospel, that it is simply the goodness of God, a free gift that we get to receive salvation through Christ, through faith, not by your works. This is the greatest news we could ever possibly hear because it doesn't matter if you murdered someone or you stole candy from a, a candy store. We are all equally deserving of death. We all equally have fallen short of the glory of God. We have fallen short of his standard. We all do not deserve heaven. We do not deserve salvation by our merit. We have fallen short. But regardless of that, Jesus has made a way for us to receive life through faith in him, right? That, that means doesn't, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what your past is. It doesn't mean, matter what your present is. We all equally have a chance to receive life and, and salvation. We all equally have hope in Christ as we are all equally broken without him, right? Every single one of us has an opportunity today, right now, to, to just put our trust and our faith in him. And we can be saved if we profess that he is Lord. That's the gospel. And Satan is going to try to do everything that he can to twist and construe the gospel to be about you and to be about what you can do and, and to be about your performance. Whether it's 
leading you to, to come to a place of self-righteousness, feeling that, oh, I'm, I'm so great and so worthy of, of heaven because of my goodness and how morally good I am. Or to come to a place that I often have struggled with and where my friend that I was sharing about was struggling with, of look at the sin in your life. Look at how horrible you are. Look at how unworthy you are of God. Look at, look at how much you've screwed up, right? And, and he, he tries to lead us to a place of self-condemnation and guilt and shame. And then we take that sin and, that, and those mistakes, and it becomes a reason why we, we drift away from God. It, it feels like a reason why I can't be close to God because I'm so unworthy, right? But really, the, that sin in our life, the, the mistakes of brokenness, the thing that feels like the reason why we should be far from God is the very reason why we should be close to God. It's the very reason why we need to take every bit of our heart and our soul and our mind, every part of ourselves, and bring it to him. He, that is our only hope, right? That, that should be the only response to the brokenness in our life. So do not let Satan construe the gospel to become about your works or about what you have to earn or what you are unable to earn because of your works, right? Let's bring our hearts fully to him in faith that he is able to save us. Let's put our trust in the work of the cross, all right? That is the gospel, that we are saved through faith, not works, but works do still have a purpose in our faith and in our walk with God. And so what I want us to look at today is why do works matter for our life? If I'm saved simply through faith, through a profession that Jesus is Lord, then why does it matter how I live? Can't I just go on living however I please, right? It's not about what I do. It's just about my faith. Well, I think most of us know, obviously, it still matters how we live. Our actions do matter. And I, we'll see that it's, it's very clear in Scripture that the way that we live matters. Our works matter. So I just want us to take some time today to, to dig into that a little bit and to, to see why the way that we live matters and the impact that it has on our faith and the lives around us today. Um, but first, I just wanted us to remember the gospel and to, to refresh that and to get that in order, to get that straight, and maybe to even let that just be peace to your soul if, if that's been you and you've been wrestling with that feeling of just condemnation or guilt or, or shame, feeling not good enough. Let, let just the, the good news of Jesus just bring rest to you today. But I have uh, four points for us today on why our works matter, why the way that we live matters. So if you're a note taker, you can write down for point number one. Our works matter because our works act as a measuring line for the genuineness of our faith. Works ma- matter because works are a measuring line of genuine faith. 
right? I think any of us in the room understand that just because I say something with my mouth does not necessarily mean that it's true. We do that all the time. I'm sure every single one of us has said something that we don't truly mean, or you've seen somebody say something, and you know they don't, they don't really mean it. And one of the reasons we can tell that somebody doesn't truly mean what they say is because of what they do. And you hear the phrase, actions speak louder than words all the time. I think it's just a very common understanding that the way that we live professes much more than what we say with our mouth. And this is also a very biblical idea. Right? We understand from James chapter 2 that works very clearly display what's happening in our hearts and and how genuine our faith is in James chapter 2 starting in verse 14 what good is it my brothers if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds can such faith save him suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food if one of you says to him go I wish you well keep warm and well fed but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by what I do. Faith without action is dead. A simple profession from your words is worthless without action to back it up. And what James would say, what good is it? You have faith. What good is it if it accomplishes nothing? If it doesn't care for the needs of people around you? If it doesn't impact people? If there's no fruit produced? What good is a, a plant or a tree if it doesn't produce fruit, it's not really worth much at all, right? And why do we know that an apple tree is an apple tree? Anybody have any guesses? Because it has an apple on it, right? Oh, yeah, smart. Apple trees are apple trees, and we know it to be true because... It has an apple on it. And it doesn't matter how many times you tell me it's an orange tree. If it has apples on it, it's an apple tree. Right? It doesn't matter how many times you tell me that you follow Jesus or you believe in him. If the fruit of your life says otherwise, I have reason to believe that you haven't truly professed faith in Christ. You haven't truly, in your heart, put your faith in him. And this is not so much a measuring line even for me to take and to look at every other person around me and to judge them and be like, yep, you're, you're not a Christian, you're a Christian, uh, you're kind of a Christian, but rather the, the, the actions the fruit that we're looking for should be our fruit, right? We should look to our own life. 
This is meant to be a measuring line for our own life, that I can look to the fruit of my life, and that can tell me something about my faith and my walk with God. One, maybe I've, I've, I can see that I've, I've professed faith in God, but I, I look at my life and maybe I can see, well, maybe I haven't truly trusted in God with all of my heart like I, like I say I do because of the way that I live and what I profess with my life. Right? Maybe it could be a sign to me that I have not truly, fully received the gospel. But even within that, even if I truly have received salvation, I may still look at the fruit of my life and, and see that, oh, maybe there's something here that needs to be attended to. Right? There's something here that I need to maybe fix or pay attention to. My friend sharing earlier, I believe without a doubt, that he is saved, he's received salvation in Christ, yet he was still burdened and concerned with sin in his life. And he, he very much should be, right? But not because he's worried about losing his salvation, but rather because he should desire to be like Christ and to, be, to live a life honoring to God, right? To do everything he can to remove the things in his life that are acting as a barrier between him and the Lord. And so he can still look at that sin and be like, this is maybe not jeopardizing my salvation right now, but because of my love for God and my desire to be near him, I want to attend to this. I want to make some changes here, right, to draw near to him. And ultimately, God knows the heart. We cannot fool him with just fancy words or just a nice profession, right? But God, God is ultimately looking for faith professed by the heart. Romans chapter 10, it says that we are saved if you believe in your heart first and then confess with your mouth, right? So we are saved by faith alone, by confession of faith alone. But that confession of faith happens through much more than just words. But rather, it should be a confession of our whole being, right? My whole heart, mind, soul, and my words, my actions, every part of me. I'm saved if if every part of me confesses that Jesus is Lord. Every single part of me has put my faith in him fully. Our, our works may act as a measuring line to the genuineness of that profession of faith. It could be a sign to us whether or not we have truly put our faith in Christ. Proverbs chapter 27, verse 17 says, As water reflects the face, so one's life reflects the heart. If you've truly put faith in Christ in your heart, your life will reflect that position of your heart, that state of your heart. I just fully believe that if we are truly walking with Christ, we have fully put our faith in him, we we should expect to see the fruit of that faith. We should be able to expect that fruit. And maybe maybe you might be hearing this and thinking, well, this still kind of sounds like you're saying 
that you have to have works in your life to be saved. You say you're only saved through faith, but now you're saying, but you also need to have fruit from that faith. There needs to be action in your life in order for that faith to be true. But the order of the two matter, right? So we are only saved by faith, but the works are are just as important and you can't really have one without the other, but the order definitely matters, right? Because I, if I start with works, I will accomplish nothing in my faith. It Works alone will never lead me to true faith. However, if I start with true faith in Christ, I most certainly will produce fruit. I most certainly will have works that follow that faith, if that makes sense, right? If, if I'm making brownies, for example, I need the brownie mix and I need the eggs and the milk and butter or whatever. I don't even bake brownies, so I don't, I don't know. I might, maybe you don't even put that stuff in there. But if I, if I only put the brownie mix in the oven and cook that and pull it out, well, that's not much of anything. That's not really worth anything at all. If I put just milk and eggs without the brownie mix, well, that's a whole other thing in itself after I pull it out of the oven. One without the other, it's not really worth much at all. I need both of them, but I also need both of them in the correct order, right? I can't put the eggs and the whatever in the oven and then try to cram the brownie mix into it after the fact and mush it around, well, that's still not really a brownie, right? If I try to just cram myself into salvation through my works and how I can earn it, well, that will never lead me to true faith in Christ, right? But if I start with true faith in Christ... Just as I am, I can expect that that faith will begin to result, that walk with Jesus will begin to result in works and fruit. Things will be produced in my life. I can expect that my life will begin to be transformed and changed because of my faith. So we must know, yes, works matter in your life. They are important. It is biblical that our faith should have works. But it's because true faith inherently produces works. There is no world in which true faith in Christ does not result in good fruit. All right? So, number two. The way we live matters simply because living righteously is just better for you. Right? The way we live matters because living obediently to God is the best thing for your life. Have you ever thought of that? That maybe God designed things a certain way and he put certain rules and ways of living in place because it was actually for your good? Right? He wasn't just up there being like, oh, this will be funny to see if they can figure out how to do this uh, with a little magnifying glass and try to burn you like you're a little ant. No. God loves us and cares for us. And so... He's put things in place. He's put a certain order to things. He's asked us to live a certain way because he desires 
the best for us. He desires your life to be blessed. Obedience to God will result in blessing in your life. In the same way that I'm sure every single one of us understands that sin will result in destruction. There's consequence to sin in our life. Think of maybe, maybe I think everyone in this room has an example of how disobedience to God has resulted in pain or destruction or hurt. We have all experienced the negative consequence of sin in our life. So why would we, why would we not want to leave sin behind? Why would we not want to live in obedience to God? James chapter 1 verse 14 through 15 that says, but each one is tempted when by his own evil desires is lured away and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. There is no situation, no world where sin does not give birth to death, where sin does not result in death. Sin, the consequence of sin will always be death. It will always be bad in your life. And even if you somehow escape the consequence of, of your disobedience and, and the sin in your life in this life, you most certainly will experience the consequence of sin in eternity. You cannot hide from the consequence of sin except for in Christ. That is the only covering of the sin in your life, right? But there's a principle there that to live for God is just better for me than to live in sin and to choose to live the way that I want to live. That sin is destructive for our life. The outcome of my disobedience will always be bad for me and for the people around me. So living for God is just what is better for you. And parents, you you should be able to understand this very well. And any of you any of you parents who have kids and you have placed certain rules and and uh expectations in place for your children. You don't do it just to be annoying or ridiculous, but you do it because you love them. Right? And your kids may see it differently. They may think it's annoying, right? But you parents, you understand that the reason why you're asking them to follow certain rules, to live a certain way, is because you want what is best for them. Even if it's uncomfortable for them, even if it's not their favorite thing in the world, you say, I don't care. I would rather you be blessed. I would rather your life produce good things. I would rather you avoid the pain of mistakes and sin than for you to just be able to live freely however you'd like. So I'm gonna, there's going to be some rules to this life. It's the same with our Heavenly Father, right? It is, he desires what is best for you. And Romans 8, 28, and we know that God works all things out for the good of those who love him. God desires to work all things for the good of those who love him. And how do we love God? How do we become those who love him? Many of us know that true love is executed through action, right? 
I can hear somebody say that they love me, and that's great. But what really shows me that somebody loves me is how they treat me, what they do for me. Right? In the same way, will we express our love for God? Will we become those who love him by the way that we act, by the way that we live, so that he can work all things for our good? Right? Let's be people that love God, that honor him, that desire to live for him. And I believe that the blessing of God will be evident in your life. Life is just better when we live in obedience to him. All right, number three. Your works matter. The way that you live matters for the sake of others. For the sake of those around you. Your greatest witness is the way that you live. See, what you, again, what you confess with your mouth, people will hear. And it does matter, but only if it's reflected by your lifestyle, by the way that you live. People will not care at all what you have to say if they think that you're a hypocrite. Or they hear you say one thing and you live out another. Your greatest witness, the greatest testimony to who Jesus is and to the gospel is how you live your life and the impact that the gospel has made on your daily decisions, your daily actions. That is what will turn heads. That is what will cause people to stop and wonder and think, hmm, what's different about that person? Why don't they live this way anymore? Why don't they treat people the way that I see everyone else treat people? Why don't do they talk like that? Why don't do they do this or that, right? John chapter 13, verse 34 through 35. A new commandment I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you also must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. If you love one another, not by how great you speak or how smart you are, how much you know about the Bible, how much you do for the church. No, but by your love for one another, by the way that you love other people, that will be the greatest sign to who you follow, the way that you love people, the way that you treat them. What do people experience when they interact with you on a day-to-day, in your workplace, in your school, even at home? What testimony does your life give to Christ, to the power of the gospel? I, I say this to my youth students all the time, but nobody cares at all about Jesus if their life is going to look the exact same with him as it does without him, right? Why would I, why would anyone care to follow Jesus if nothing's going to change? Why would they, from their perspective, why would I add a bunch of rules and do's and do nots to my life if I'm going to be the same as I was anyways, right? And why, why do I want to follow this Jesus person if I'm still going to just go out and party and get hammered every night anyways and still be sad and still be depressed and still treat people like garbage. What's, why, why do I care about Jesus? But how much will people desire 
Jesus if they see that you have something that nobody else has, right? What testimony does your life give to Jesus? How are we loving people? How are we drawing people to Christ because of our, our love? It was God's love that, that led us to repentance, right? For, for any of us who have come to faith in Christ, was it not his love for us, his love for you, that, that drew you to a place of repentance, of desiring to follow him and desiring to live for him? It, it was his love that drew us to him. And it will be his love displayed in our life that will draw others to him, that will draw others to desire to know him. The works of your life are such an important testimony to the people around you. And it shows who you really follow. It shows the works of your life display what you're truly passionate about, what you truly care about, right? And again, people people can see right through the phoniness if it's if it's not followed up by your actions. And I'm a I'm a Viking fan, Viking fan, right? Yeah. Some mixed, wow, thanks for the applause. I was just expecting tomatoes and cabbage to be thrown at me. But, yeah, so I know that's an unpopular thing. But I'm, I say that, that word very lightly. If people ask me, what team do you cheer for? I just say, yeah, I'm a Viking fan. I, don't, I do not care about the Vikings at all, mainly because they're just bad. But... Right, I don't. I also am just not a huge fan of football in itself, so I'm just not. I'm not that invested, right? So, I'll say I'm a Viking fan, but if people just observe me and watch, they're they're expecting me. It's funny because Packer fans will come up to me. I say I'm a Viking fan, and they start talking trash, and they start getting all you know, he doing the Packer fan thing, and I'm I'm just like, why are you talking to me right now? I don't care. Right, but I say Viking fan, they're expecting this, you know, this here, and I'm just here, right? You Packer fans, there's, there's probably Packer fans, and then there's Packer fans, and you know, right? You're at the, you're at the, they're at the game in negative 20 degrees, no shirt on, they're painted green and yellow, screaming their head off. You don't have to tell me you're a Packer fan, I understand, that you're a Packer fan, right? And Packer fans, they just, they take pride in being a Packer fan and they scream it from the rooftops, right? You can, you can just tell. Most Packer fans, I already know they're a Packer fan before they even open their mouth, right? That's just how it is, okay? But when it comes to the impact of Christ in our life, can people tell who we follow just by how we live, right? Do I have to, can people see that before I even open my mouth, right? Or when I say I'm a Christian, am I, are they expecting me to be this when I'm really just this, right? Am I professing one thing with my mouth but living out another? Let's not just be me as a Viking fan, right, when it comes to our faith. But let's profess that we follow Jesus, Yes, with our mouth, but because of how true it is in our heart, 
in the way we live every single day. Let's exuberate passion for his name, right? My, my hope is that people, people are just drawn to the passion that we have for, for Jesus and for the gospel, right? That we're just so in love with God, that we're so excited about it, that we can't even help ourselves but just be passionate about it and that people are drawn to that passion. People in general are drawn to people who exhibit passion about things. When I'm around somebody that's passionate about something, I'm, I've maybe never even thought about that thing in my life, but their passion for it makes me want to care about it. It makes me want to be passionate about it. Like painting, for example, I don't, I don't know. I don't care at all about painting. But then when, I'm, when I see somebody who's just incredibly good at painting and they, they love it and it's their passion, all of a sudden it piques my interest. I'm like, man, this is, like, this is cool. I want to know more about that. I want to learn more about that. I want to be around that. People want to be around people who are passionate and they're drawn towards passion for things. Let's draw people towards Christ by the passion that we exhibit for his name and for what he's done in our life. Let's not be ashamed of the power of the gospel in our life. All right. Okay, point number four, my, my final point on why the way we live matters is simply just because by, by our life, by the way that we live, we may express gratitude and worship unto God. Right? We don't, we don't live in obedience to God simply because we're cowering in a corner hoping that he doesn't smite us if we don't. We don't serve a God who's just angry, waiting to punish us, right? Again, our God, he's already given us everything. He's held nothing back to give us life. He, he, he sent his son for us. He laid down his life for us. Scripture talks about no greater love than that of a man that would lay down his life for another. God has displayed the greatest sign of love that he could possibly display to you and I by laying down his very life for us. He's held nothing back, right? So we don't respond to that by saying, oh, I just have to cower in fear and, and hope I can be good enough for, for God to love me. I hope I can perform good enough to love him, right? But, but rather, we, God is inviting us to freely receive the love that he has given, given to us, that the way that he has already loved us through his son. It's a free gift that he's offering to us, right? That we do not deserve, but we just get to gratefully and freely receive that. And so out of that, we should desire to live a life that is pleasing to him, to live a life that honors him, just simply out of gratitude, out of thanks, for, for his kindness towards us, for his goodness towards us, right? How could we not want to live for him after all that he has done for us? You, we also experience this. How many of you have ever been loved by somebody so well that you just can't help but love them back, right? Maybe, maybe some of you ladies in the room with, who have a husband, right? This, this dude... He was just, you didn't care anything about him, right? He was just annoying. But the way 
all of a sudden the way that he loved you, it drew you in, right? And you found yourself loving him back before you even knew you wanted to, right? Because we respond to love. And God has loved us greater than anybody could ever love us, right? So how could we not want to respond by also loving him back, right? And and just taking the the privilege we have to live for him and to, to walk life with him, to to do our best to live lives that are pleasing to him and to to love him again in our action, right? One of the best ways that we can show our love for him is by the way that we live for him, not just what we say. So let's profess our love to God, our thankfulness to him by the way that we live each and every single day, all right? So again, I, th- I think we just have to be so careful to not confuse the gospel. And if you would stand with me as I just begin to, to close our time together this morning. All right, let it, will we never twist and construe the gospel of Jesus? That we are saved by grace through faith alone. There's nothing we could do to earn it, nothing we could do to deserve it. It is simply the free gift of God that we could know life, that we could have life in Jesus, that we could be forgiven, that we don't have to live under the mistakes of our past, that we don't have to live in guilt and shame, and that even when we fail after we've accepted Christ, that there is still forgiveness and grace. That is simply his goodness that we get to receive by putting our faith in him. Right, thank God that we are saved by grace through faith and not by my works. If it was up to me, if it was up to, to you, we would be in a bad place right now. Right, we are helpless, left to our own choices, left to our own ability. Right, if it's up to us, we will fall short every time. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All right, so God, thank you that it's not up to me, but that I get to freely receive the gift of life and forgiveness through your son. Praise God for that. Let us never forget just the the beauty and the simplicity of the gospel and what he's offering to us. But in the midst of that, Will we never fail to live a life that is honoring and pleasing to him? Will we never fail to live lives of gratitude, to live lives that reflect the gospel? Will we profess our faith in Jesus through more than just our words, but through every part of us, from the inside out, from our heart, mind, body, soul, our words, every part of us. Right? Let's not fail to validate our faith by the way that we live. Let's respond with gratitude to the grace that God has given us so freely by living a life honoring and pleasing to him so that one, we may know him better so that we can continue to taste of that grace and the blessing that he has for us so that our life 
may be blessed, right? And so that others can know him better so that we can live the lives that God has called us to live. And ultimately, so that one day we can stand before him confidently, right? And, and one day here, well done, my good and faithful servant, right? I don't, even if I could just scrape by into heaven, I don't, I don't want to. Shouldn't we want to enter heaven triumphantly saying, I finally, I made it, right? I ran the race. I fought the good fight faithfully. Did I fail along the way? Yes. Was I perfect? No. But I gave everything that I had to the gospel and to bringing glory to my father's name, right? That should be the goal of every single one of us, not to be, how much can I get away with and still get into heaven? But no, how much of my life can I give to bring honor and glory to the one who gave everything for me, who held nothing back for me? I want to hold nothing back in return. That is how we're called to live. That is the proper response to the gospel, to truly receiving the gospel. Right, that's why the way that we live matters. The gospel is not, incomplete, is not complete in our life until it affects every part of us, until it produces fruit in our life. Thanks for joining us on the LifeCast. It is the ministry of New Life Assembly of God in Sparta, Wisconsin. If you are ever in the area, we would enjoy the opportunity of meeting you. Until then, remember, God is for you, not against you.